Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We're going to have a great day. As Rob just said, we are closing off a mini-series uh, today, just a little three-parter that I set up for the month of May. Of course, Mother's Day was in there as well. We're going to finish that off this morning. And then next week, uh, it is still May. It's uh, one of those five Sunday months, the month of May. Next week, a couple of special things. It is uh, number one, Pentecost Sunday. Okay, So it is seven full weeks after Passover, uh, or if you like, seven full weeks after Easter. Jesus died, and then he you know, walked around 40 days, 40 nights after his ascension, spent around about, oh, sorry, after his resurrection, spent a week or so with his friends, uh, no, sorry, went, ascended, spent a week or so before he sent Holy Spirit on the Jewish festival called Pentecost. And it's called Pentecost in the Greek because pent is the number five, like pentathlon, and it is exactly the 50th day after Passover. So that's one of the reasons that it has those words. Well, that's next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, May 31st. And we have a very special guest speaker lined up for next week, our first international guest speaker uh, for the year I believe and we don't even have to fly them in all right so we have Rob Rufus coming to us from Hong Kong doing a message down the camera just for us here at Bayside Church and so don't miss that next uh, Sunday morning Rob Rufus coming to us uh, here in uh, Bayside Church all the way from Hong Kong all right I think that's uh, enough of an interaction just to get you ready uh, this morning I trust that those of you visiting with us uh, can hear me properly and can handle my voice today what I'm going to do is read some scripture uh, I'm going to teach from that, uh, highlight some things that I've uh, noticed this week and even just this morning and encourage you uh, to hear God for yourself on what we read and to reflect and respond appropriately uh, in your own time. All right, so we're going to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, as we close our mini-series for May today. I won't introduce this much because I've done that in the last two episodes and you can listen to those on our iTunes or here on Facebook, the videos uh, in the previous Sundays. But here we go, 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust those things to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. After all, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he doesn't do so, he doesn't, sorry, receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So reflect on what I'm saying. Because the Lord himself will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This, after all, is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect so that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
as they say in the old, old days, this is the, the word of the Lord. Okay, there you go. I just wanted to read that passage without, without interruption. There you go. Uh, the point is in this uh, picture, uh, of course, in this uh, passage, Paul's encouraging, exhorting his young mentoree, his young student, Timothy, a budding young preacher. It's one of his last words. It's a departure speech to Timothy. And he says, listen, endure, stay strong in grace, persevere, even though I'm chained. Okay, God's word is not chained. And we need to press on and to encourage that, to bring home that point to him. He says, I want you to imagine yourself as three things. See yourself as a soldier. See yourself as an athlete. And see yourself as a farmer. Soldier, athlete, farmer. That is the name of our series here in Maine. Now, there's a couple of reasons that I settled on this series a while back. The prophetic pastor sort of side of me knew that when a, a, a crisis like this hits, okay, when you know what hits the fan and things get turned upside down and, and things start shaking and you don't know what's going on. The, one of the first responses is a, the pastor heart needs to come out, you know, and I need to say, there, there, everyone, everything's going to be okay. Things are right. This is what we're doing, da, 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 da. And it's all that, you know, all that nice, kind stuff. But then, only, no, no, no. As, as things get on further, the, the message that we need to really hear is to keep going and persevere. Because after the shaking and the crisis hits, that the humdrum of the, 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 the new life that we are living is going to get boring very quick. Frustration is going to come out very quick. And there needs to be a slightly stronger word like Paul leaves here to Timothy to say, now listen guys, it's time now to endure. It's time to press on. It's time to persevere and keep staying the course. So that prophetic side of me knew that we needed a word like this in the month of May as we uh, negotiate this turbulent, or what was anyway, when it started a turbulent time. But the other thing about me, of course, is my teacher hat. And so one of the ways that I've been trying to look through this series is not just to explain the scripture and inspire you, but also help instruct you on how to read the Bible for yourself. Okay, they talk about a good education requires the three R's traditionally. Okay, reading, writing and arithmetic. Well, when it comes to handling the Bible, the three R's are these. Read, <laughs> reflect and respond. Read, reflect and respond. And that is exactly what Paul is saying here to Timothy. As Timothy is reading this letter, Paul then says, now don't just read it, reflect reflect so you get insight into what I'm saying. And of course, like James says, don't just be a hearer of the word. No, now you are called to respond to it. They're the three R's of approaching the Bible. Read it, reflect upon it, and then respond. And that's what I've been trying to do over this time to show you. Let's read the scripture. Let's reflect. I'm sharing with you some of my reflections from the past week. And then, of course, responding to that is largely up to you with your walk with God and what God puts on your heart. But within that reflection stage, okay, when we, when we reflect and research or reason, what is this scripture saying? I'll try to give you another tool to do that with. It's a bit of a framework, some questions that you can ask as you reflect on the text. And I like to put it this way. As we read the Bible and reflect on it, we are to, ask our, we are to try to discover or try to find the joy in biblical revelation. Find joy the joy okay jay had a word at the, the end of last year for 2020 he said the the joy of the lord being our strength 
will be a very key thing that we need to walk in as individuals and as a church collectively. We need to walk in this idea of the joy of the Lord being our strength. It's when Jay said that, I'm like, well, guess what? 2020, we're going to be doing a series on Philippians at some stage, okay? To choose the joy in life. So we'll, uh, that'll probably be coming up in winter. The point is this, choose joy. Find joy as you read the scripture. And that's a simple little acronym to demonstrate this. As you read the Bible and you're reflecting on its meaning, look for these three things. Find Jesus in the text. Find others. What does this teach me about the others in my life? And thirdly, find you. Find joy. Jesus, others, yourself it's not a formula that may apply to every single passage of scripture but i tell you what i've known enough of the bible to know that if you read a passage a decent sized passage with that framework if you're trying to work out oh, what the heck how, how, how can this apply to me how is this significant to me remember that find joy just remember look for the joy what does it show me about jesus what does it show me about the others in my life that i'm called to love and live with and what does it show me about you? What does it show me about me? And so that's what I've been doing. So I want you also to pay attention to that. I'm not just you know, bringing sort of a prophetic inspiring word. I'm also trying to instruct you in how to read the scripture. That's what I'm doing. And so for the last few weeks, we've been doing that. We looked at the first picture, which is the picture of a soldier. What does it reveal about Jesus? Well, he's our commanding officer. It talks us about others, that some people in our life are soldiers and other people are people we have to fight for to rescue. And then what does it say about you, where it says that you are to be a dedicated person who is not entangled in civilian affairs, but lives a life untangled. That is the message of the soldier. Uh, the next week, and which was last week, we looked at the picture of the athlete. Well, in that picture, it shows us that Jesus is our hero that has run the race before us. He is our great role model that we can find aspiration from, but he's also now our coach that comes alongside us to help. Those of you with me last week will remember the YouTube video that we saw from the Barcelona Olympics, okay, of the dad that, ca that came and helped his son cross the finish lines. One of the pictures that it shows us about Jesus. The athlete picture shows us that there is a crowd of witnesses watching us. And the athlete picture shows us that you are an athlete and are called to be disciplined in your life. Discipline is not a dirty word. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And if you don't understand, watch last week. Today, we are looking at the picture of a hard-working farmer. We're going to close this off today. I've settled today on the word diligence to distinguish a farmer. And so we're going to be looking at those three things, Jesus, others, and you. What does this picture show us about that? Today, I'm going to mix it up a little bit, and I'm going to reverse the order. I'm going to start with you and finish with Jesus. We'll be saving the best until last. Are you ready? Let's go. Holy Spirit, I thank you that whether you are people in this room, whether people are in a caravan, whether people are outdoors in a pergola, whether people are listening to this as they're walking or whether they're sitting comfortably on their lounges at home with others or by themselves, today, Holy Spirit, you are the same God, the same teacher, the same ever-present one that never leaves us and comes alongside us to help. 
You are the parakletos, the one who comes alongside to help us understand the truth as it has been laid out for us. And not just understand in our heads, but to see that truth impact the very core of our hearts and souls that we may apply it and live productive and God-honoring lives on this planet. We love you today, Holy Spirit, and we invite you wherever we are to come and be our great teacher today. May you be the voice in the voice that we hear today loud and clear. My ears are open. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. Here's our verse for the day. 2 Timothy 2 verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. I just want to observe a couple of words before we find joy this morning. Well, the first word, of course, here to uh, highlight is the word hard work. Okay, hard work. Everybody at home say hard work. <laughs> Again, not a dirty word. Okay, hard work is not a dirty word. In Greek, it's the word kopos, and it literally means exhausting labor. To labor until you are worn out, until you are exhausted. It means to work with great effort. Now, there are times when this, script, when this word is used and it appears to be in a somewhat, maybe uh, not so positive connotation. Okay? It's the word used in Mark 6 where Jesus says, don't worry about you're going to wear. After all, the flowers in the field, they don't worry. They do not labor. They do not work hard, and yet your Father meets their needs. So that's the word used there. It's the same word used with Jesus when he stands up in front of a crowd and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary. It's the same word. All you who have worked hard, and I'll give you rest. It's the same word that Peter says in Luke 5, or Simon Peter, when he says, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. All right. So in those stories it seems like hard work this same word here has a bit of a negative well not negative but you know not that positive uh, sort of connotation but listen there are far more examples where this word it's used is used in a very positive light where we're commanded to work hard where Jesus worked hard, where our leaders work hard, and we are to honour that in our life. A bit like discipline last week, or many things in life, I can't remember what I was, I was talking about the other time where I said this, but there are certain things in life that, or comparison, last week, I said comparison is not necessarily a negative thing. You can respond to it negatively, you can use it too much, Okay, you can cause it to be, have negative effect in your life, but you can also use comparison as a good thing. I made that point last week. It's the same with hard work. Hard work is not in and of itself bad. Okay? It can be a very good thing. And that's why Paul uses it here in this picture. It's the kind of work demonstrated by Jesus. In John 4, it says, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by a well. It's the same word. Jesus worked and walked hard and he needed a rest. If Jesus worked hard, then there's a model for us to follow. Paul said the same. Acts chapter 20. In everything I did, he said, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul's saying the hard work I put in was so that I could give for others, and that is a commendable thing. In Romans 16, he talks about people in the church of Rome, and he says, greet Mary who worked very hard for you. 
Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Ladies, working hard, a commendable thing. 1 Corinthians 4, he says, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Colossians 1, he says, we proclaim Jesus. We admonish and we teach everyone with all wisdom. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ works in me. So Paul here is saying, listen, I'm working hard in preaching the gospel. It actually takes work to do this kind of thing. I'm working strenuously hard, but I'm also acknowledging this is Christ helping me work harder than what I could ordinarily on my own. Okay, we get this hint of that. It's, it's, he says a similar thing in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, no, no. I worked harder than anybody else I know because of the grace of God within me. These are all exactly the same word. Work hard, work hard, work hard. It's this kind of work, hard work that is supposed to be demonstrated by church leaders. 1 Thessalonians 5, acknowledge those who work hard among you in the Lord. And it's this type of hard work that we are commanded to give ourselves to as followers of Christ. Ephesians 4, do not, if you've been stealing, don't steal any longer, but work hard so you can supply your own needs and share what you have with others. Chad, what's the point? Come on, surely by now you've got the point, all right? The point is, there, yeah, Jesus, exactly. There are many instances where the scriptures use this word, working hard, even to the point of exhaustion. And it is a commendable and a good thing. That's right. The, the, uh, that's it. That's the message for the day. Go home. Now, let's put the verse back on the screen. The hardworking farmer, second observation, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. The first to receive a share of the crops. And, of course, that's uh, something that I sort of reflected on this week. The, father work, the, father, the farmer works hard to sustain himself and to feed himself. He receives a share. He works hard and he tastes the fruit of his own labor. He benefits from it but he's also not the only one to benefit from it he is just the first in a long line of others who benefit from his labor he's not the only one to receive he's not the last one to receive he labors for himself and he labors for others i'll talk about that a little more later the point is these three images soldier athlete farmer all have a number of things in common persevere endure hard work work now rewards later okay consistency and commitment leads to a crown perseverance now leads to a prize that these they all have similarities in them but they also have distinctions and that's what i'm hoping to bring out today the farmer who we're looking at today his life seems a little more drab than the soldier and the athlete. You know, the soldier comes home from war and he's given a trophy, he's given a medal, he's given a badge of honour, he's given a parade. As they parade, they come into the city and people cheer. This is the old, old style. People cheered as the soldiers return home. Soldiers are honoured and they're celebrated for their work. An athlete, as we saw last week, has a crowd 
cheering, standing ovations, cheering them on, talking about them, uh, putting up their pictures on walls, putting a wreath on their head or today a medal around them for their great achievements. We look up and we say, well done, athlete. Aren't they heroes in our society? But not the farmer. The farmer doesn't get a ticker tape parade. The, father do, the farmer doesn't have the city come out and celebrate them and their hard work. They do not have the king of the kingdom hand them a trophy. They do not have the crowds cheering, applauding, applauding and, and egging them on and celebrating their achievements. The farmer just does what needs to be done. And then they do it again. 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 They lead the quiet life. They commit themselves to the humdrum routine of doing what needs to be done. And so these pictures are each similar, but there's also nuances and differences between them. And so that's why today I've settled on the word diligence in speaking about the farmer. You know, there's an old saying, it's a bit of a, not an old wives' tale, but an old man's quote. I don't know what the phrase is for that. Uh, what? Old husband's tale, sure. And uh, somebody once said, <laughs> once in your life, you will need a doctor. At least once in your life, you will need a lawyer. Once in your life, you will need a policeman. And once in your life, you will need a priest. But every day, three times a day, you will need a farmer. Farmer... What a powerful picture and maybe in our community something that we should esteem and celebrate far more. A few years back in 2013, there was a company in America called Ram Trucks. I'll just read this out. They aired a commercial during the fourth quarter of the 47th Super Bowl in the USA. Many of you know that the Super Bowl is a massive time for TV commercials and people pump millions of dollars into making commercials because they get such a huge audience and it's actually part of the whole Super Bowl culture. Americans love to watch their teams but they also look forward to the the ads, it's the only time they look forward to ads because companies spend big bucks to get those ads broadcast. And in 2013, a, co a company called Ram Trucks produced a two-minute commercial. It was nothing more, though, than a collection of still photographs with a voiceover in the background. There was no music. There was no on-screen acting. There was no special effects. There was no jingle. Just a reading of a poem called... So God Made a Farmer. So God Made a Farmer was a speech given by radio broadcaster Paul Harvey at the 1978 Future Farmers of America convention. That powerful audio captured the attention and respect of millions of Americans who sat glued to their television during quarter time break for two silent minutes as this commercial was played. Watch this. And on the eighth day... God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die 
and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire feed sacks, and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners, somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk, somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. Well, how good was that? I hope you enjoyed that. So God made a farmer. We're going to move on. We're going to look at finding the joy in this metaphor, okay? Finding Jesus, finding others, and finding you. What does it have to say about you? I'm going to work backwards, as I said before, save the best to last. What does this reveal about you? Well, if the Christian is a farmer, what does it teach me about my life? As I reflected on it this week, basically, it's, it's quite simple. It, in, it demonstrates to me the importance of placing value on hard work. Hard work, working hard, even at times working to the place of exhaustion is a good thing. Now, is it possible to do that too often? Yes. Is it possible to do that too much? Yes. Is it possible to do that for too little return, too little results, too little? Yes, yes, yes. But it is also true that some things in life will never be achieved without hard work. And this type of hard work, and sometimes it is one of the most fulfilling things. I know many of you know what I'm talking about. That feeling of coming home, putting in a big day's work, collapsing. There can be just a, oh, that was good. <laughs> Seven days a week, not so good. But the point is, it, hard work is a good thing. And that's why I've settled today partly settled on the word diligence. Paul uses the word diligence to Timothy in his previous letter. Let's read this together, 1 Timothy 4.13. Until I come, devote yourself, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. That's what I'm trying to do today. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. But be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. In fact, watch your life and your doctrine very carefully. Persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save both yourself and others. Yourself and others. It's this same picture of being diligent. You know, diligence speaks of perseverance, pressing on and persisting. And I thought this morning, it just came to me, diligence really speaks about persevering, about doing the basics well. How important is it just to do the basics well? Running a business, a successful sporting team, a church that does well, a school that does well, a family 
that does well. In your own personal life with your health or your mental health or, or whatever it is. You know, one of the keys, one of the significant keys to success is just being diligent in doing the basics well. A friend of mine, Tony Rainbow, uh, leads Victory Church in Adelaide. And many years ago, I'm just remembering saying, you know, one of the lessons he learned in leadership very soon in is he says, this, how, this is how it works. This is how life works. Faithful, 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 fruitful. Faithful, faithful, <laughs> faithful, faithful, fruitful. And there's just such truth in that. Just that diligence of that persistence and pushing on and being diligent in the ordinary and the mundane. You know, the book of Acts is one of my favorite uh, uh, books in the Bible. It's very exciting, you know, signs and wonders and miracles and breaking new ground and new churches planted, etc., etc. Reading the story, talking about Philippi, okay, for the Philippians, reading the story of Paul and how he got to Philippi. He had a dream of a guy saying, come and help us. And so they woke up, you know, fresh in the morning and said, let's go. We're on our way. Let's go to Philippi. They get there and uh, there's a slave girl with a demon and he casts the demon out of this girl. They go to prison. They're worshiping at night. The prison doors shake. They lead the jail to Christ you know they get baptized at three o'clock in the morning okay it's just exciting he gets a, he goes back into prison the magistrates try to kick him out he says no nah, I'm walking out of here myself it's an exciting story all right it's like thrilling there's excitement of Philippi and yet we don't one of the things we don't realize in the book of Acts or maybe we don't give the same time of attention to is the fact is it took him days to get there and all he was doing was walking 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 check into an Airbnb wake up, walking, walking, check into another Airbnb, wake up. Three or four days. These, these guys, they didn't just fly from one city to the other, a bit like us today. They would walk everywhere. And so in between these exciting, fruitful moments was just the mundane, mundane, getting it done, walking, moving on, diligently doing what I need to do. Routine, reliability, regularity, doing the basics well. What does this picture teach me about you? What does it teach me about me? It teaches me the importance, the value in my life, to value hard work, to give myself diligently to do the basics well. I want to encourage you to reflect on this image this week and see what's highlighted to you. For me, that was probably my most significant reflection this week. Point number two. What does this picture teach us or teach, us, teach me about others? What does it teach about you? What does it teach about others? If the Christian is a farmer, what does it help me to, how does it help me to deal with the others in my life? Well, my reflection this week was this. In my life, there are some who need me and there are some who feed me. As a farmer, there are others in my life who need me and there are others in my life who feed me, and it's important that I recognize, honor, and appreciate the place of both. That verse in Ephesians 4 is verse 28. It says this, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but he must work, of course the word is work, hard, doing something useful with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with those in need. You're a farmer. Work for yourself. Be the first to partake of the crops, but understand there are others outside of you. There are others that you also need to work for because in your life, there are always others in need and other people need your supply. You may not be a preacher. 
You may not be wearing this funny thing on your head and getting up on a platform and speaking down a camera, but you have a role to meet the needs. You have a role as a farmer to feed others. Who am I? I'm a farmer. Who are others? Well, some people need me. Some people need me to feed them. They need encouragement, and they're going to get it from you. They need creativity, and they're going to get it from you. They need the supply that you have. And that's why it's a selfish attitude to say, I'm going to work hard to supply my needs. I'm going to work hard for me. No, I'm working hard also for others that I can share with those in need because there are other people in my life who need the supply that I have. Amen. Who are others in my life? Well, there are others who need me and there are others who feed me and i also need to make sure i relate well with them first timothy 5 17 says the elders pastors bishops whatever it's the same type of word who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those whose work same word kolos or kopos whatever it is those whose work is preaching and teaching for the scripture says do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain the worker deserves his wages those who feed you in whatever capacity here it talks about a preacher but those who feed you make sure you also relate well with them he says the same thing to the thessalonians first thessalonians 5 verse 12 now i ask you brothers respect those who work hard among you who are over the lord and who admonish you what's this idea i'm a farmer i'm a hard worker and there are others in my life some of those who need me and then others are those who feed me because i'm not the only farmer in town when you and i often pictures far, picture farmers now i mean we we picture someone out there on the air peninsula that has thousands of acres or hectares or whatever of land and and they just truck in their produce no 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 this was written at a time where people owned a family farm. It was probably not a plot much bigger than this room. And they could see the other farmers all around them. They knew they farmed on their own. They were responsible for their own patch of earth. But they also knew very well they relied on others. They knew where their food was coming from. Hey, that's a good idea. They knew where their food was coming from and they recognized there are people in this community that need me and there are others in this community that feed me and I need to relate well both to those groups and give honor where honor is due because I recognize that a healthy, balanced diet, I need others to help feed me. I'm not going to produce everything I need for myself, for me to eat well, I need others to produce the things that I cannot. Because one farmer produces beef and another produces beets. One farmer grows barley and the other broccolini. And I need others to feed me. In my world, there are those who need me and there are those who feed me. And as I reflected on that this week, it made me wonder, how do I respond? Am I being a faithful farmer to those who need my supply? And an I being an honouring farmer to those from whom I feed as well. Maybe you can reflect on that this week. We're finding the joy in this metaphor, the metaphor of the farmer. What does it teach you about you? What does it teach me about others? And saving the best to last, what does it teach us about Jesus? Finding the joy in this metaphor if the christian is a farmer who is christ in that picture in soldier he was a commanding officer in athlete he was a hero and a coming alongside coach 
Well, what about in this picture? If I'm the farmer, who is Christ? Who is God? What can I learn about him in the, from this metaphor? Come back next week. and uh, No, you do your own work from home. But this week, this is what I came up with. God, in this picture, is the invisible provider. The invisible provider. You see, in the soldier picture, Jesus is the commanding officer and we look at him, we can see him and we wait for him and we're looking at that commanding officer. In the picture of the coach, he's the one there right there alongside. You can, he is with me. I can see him working. I can see him. There's a, it's a visible type of picture. But in the picture of the farmer, he's the invisible one that's working behind the scenes and I may not see him, but I can certainly, if I'm paying attention, see his handiwork. Mark Four is one of those places where Jesus uses agriculture to tell a story. And it says this, Mark 4, 26. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God's like. A man scatters a seed on the ground. And whether it's night and day, whether he's sleeping or getting up, that seed sprouts and grows, even though he doesn't understand how. All by itself, in fact, the soil produces grain, stalk, head, the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, then he gets back up and puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. We see this picture, this farmer sows the seed at the front. The farmer reaps the harvest at the end. And in between, God does his thing under the dirt, beneath the surface, when I'm not even seeing it happen and I don't really know how it's happening. I just thank the Lord that he's at work behind the scenes. He says the same thing in Matthew 5. He talks about, uh, he, God, causes the, causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What is this? This is the picture of God, the invisible provider, who is above the sky and sends the rain. I cannot see him, but I'm grateful for his work. He is beyond the horizon and he sends the sun. I cannot see him, but I'm grateful for his work. He is beneath the soil and he causes the seed to grow. I cannot see him, but I'm grateful for his work. Because even when I don't see him, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see that God, I know he is my invisible provider. I'm the farmer. I do my bit. And even though I cannot see God, and sometimes I wonder, what the heck are you doing, Lord? Are you actually doing anything? Is anything happening with that seed? I planted that months ago. I planted that three weeks ago. What is going on? God is working behind the scenes. He is the invisible provider. And that is the one that we trust in this metaphor he never stops working in this series of trying to encourage you like paul did to timothy to stay strong in grace to persevere and endure with us i'm trying to encourage you to be like a soldier that wants to please his commanding officer i'm trying to encourage you to be like an athlete that's running a race knowing our hero has gone before us and we can aspire to be like him as he helps us and assists us on the way and today i'm encouraging you to give yourself to diligence knowing that you have others in your life that need you that god has put the tools in your hand to be productive and God is calling you to do the basics well, knowing that even when you don't see it, He is there working on your behalf, causing your fruit to be productive. You know, God gave us, oh, help me out. Yeesh. Zechariah chapter 8. 
God gave us a prophetic word before we ever planted this church, probably 18 years ago. Okay, God spoke to me. In fact, it was. It was June. It was June. So very near 18 years ago, God spoke to me and gave me a prophetic word for this church before we even existed. It came from Zechariah chapter 8. I think it's around verse 4. He says something like, The seed will grow well. The vine will produce its fruits. The ground will yield its crops and the heavens will drop their dew. This is the guarantee. This is the promise. This is a gift I will give to this people. God has promised us to be a fruitful church. You know, one of the reasons that we are negotiating, in my opinion, I mean, whatever, but in my opinion, we're negotiating this period so well as a church is because we are relying on the invisible God working behind the scenes. Yeah, we're being diligent. Yeah, we understand there's a bigger world beyond our own and we're going to push on and persevere through the obstacles that might come our way. But our ultimate trust is in a God who's doing more behind the scenes than we could ever do and that God has promised us to be fruitful in this time it's like we as a church are growing all right there are new people connecting in new people hearing us there's a profile that God is giving us in this time and I'm like God thank you so much you promised us to be fruitful you promised us to bless the work of our hands and for my part I choose to be diligent I choose to do the basics well in a sense I do my best I let God do the rest that whole thing but I thank you that you are at work and I want to say to your church both here as a community, as your pastor, prop, prophetic teacher, whatever the heck I am talking to you, and then you in your individual life, all right, God has called you to be productive. The seed of his word will continue to grow in our life. Paul wrote this letter when he was in a dungeon, in chains. He couldn't move, damn it. He was locked up. He's not in a home. He's not quarantining with 10 people in his house. He was in a dungeon and he said, listen, I'm chained, but God's word is not chained. Both the general word of God is gospel and the words that God has spoken over my life. I'm going to be productive to the end. I'm going to be like Samson, who even even if he makes mistakes in the journey, at the very end of his life, he was more effective than he was throughout the whole time. He said, God, one last shot. I'm going to press through to the very end. Why? Because I'm a soldier and I live for the audience of one. I'm an athlete and until my chest crosses that line, I'm not stopping. I'm not giving up. In the meantime, I'll discipline myself, make my body a servant to do what it needs to do. And I'm a farmer. And sometimes that means no one appreciates me. No one celebrates me. No one sees what I do. When I'm up at 4 a.m., when I don't go to bed until 1, when I, when I barely am seeing my family and I'm working hard, I'm getting cold hands, that's just what I do. The very people eating my food don't even say thank, to, thank you to me. That's what a farmer is. Getting on doing the basics well, demonstrating diligence, and all the while enjoying the blessing and the favor of God because we are operating within the calling that He has placed in our life. My friends, I want to encourage you today. The same thing as, what's his name? Paul, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Persevere and endure in these lessons because other people depend on it. And there is not only a blessing in this life to be received, there are eternal rewards, an eternal crown, and an eternal weight of glory and righteousness that will be bestowed upon us. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.